Welcome to the new era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hi guys, welcome back to Web3, the new era. Today we are interviewing Mr. Sawyer, who came from an in real life background of business strategy, development, mergers, and acquisitions. But after an itch to get back to his roots of creating value on the ground with other builders, he now works full time doing business strategy, marketing, branding, and illustration for various projects in the NFT space, while also spending some of his free time doing graffiti on the weekends. Keep listening to hear Sawyer talk about tips of launching a successful brand in Web3, the importance of understanding and being part of your community as a project team member, the process of identifying your value proposition and strategically positioning yourself for success in the market, and his experience helping projects navigate the inherent fear, uncertainty, doubt, and other challenges that come with operating in a decentralized space. So with that said, let's get into the interview. Alrighty, and we are live. So we have Sawyer with us today who does business strategy, marketing, and branding for a variety of different projects, but I won't get too much into it because I'm going to pass it over to you, Sawyer, to tell us a little bit about yourself. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I'm Mr. Sawyer. I've been in the NFT space going hard for about six months, but started messing around with NFTs about two years ago on ETH. I had come from a background of business strategy and development. So I've spent the last several years in Germany doing mergers and acquisitions for a large toy company. And I've just recently quit my job to focus full time on Web3, DeFi and NFTs. Majority of that comes from illustration, branding and consulting with launching projects. Awesome. And I actually did see that on your Twitter that you just recently quit your corporate job and went full time. First of all, congratulations. That is very exciting. Thank you. (laughs) And second of all, can you kind of walk us through your story in terms of um, maybe a little bit more about what you were doing in your day job and in traditional corporate and then when and how you sort of got into the Web3 space and then how you sort of found yourself here, like being able to, to really go full time into the space? Yeah, definitely. So my career in corporate started off actually in creative, uh, doing UI and UX design in my early 20s. From there, I moved on to being creative director. And because I was good at project management, that soon turned into business development and strategy side of things within the business I worked in. I've worked in business development and strategy for about five years now. And my day-to-day is definitely not on the creative side. Uh, It's a lot of managing people. So I'm responsible for about 3,000 people in Central Europe, or was, I should say. And it definitely turned into more of a pencil-pushing job and hiring people to do what I really wanted to do, which is a big reason why I decided to take the exit when I started getting more involved in NFTs. That's awesome. And I know you you just mentioned that did you say you had gotten into NFTs maybe about two years ago with ETH? Yeah. How did you find yourself here? How involved are you in Solana? And are you kind of like cross-chain or do you still do a lot with ETH? Or what does that look like? Yeah. So no, I breathe Solana now. 
it's it's definitely by far my preferred chain. Uh, although I've done a few small projects on Near and a little bit on Binance as well. So yeah, I, uh, I I started messing around with NFTs yeah two years ago on ETH when it first kind of started becoming popular. Fairly early, I would say, for the NFT space actually, um, because one of my good friends who's a graffiti artist had launched a few and made good success with them. And within that, uh, he convinced me to put a few of mine up for sale and I was able to make two or three sales, but it took me months and months per one of one. And I soon decided to just focus on the trading aspect. And that was up until about six months ago when one of my good friends from Canada gave me a call and asked me if I'd be willing to help him manage a project and do the illustration for the project, at which point I said yes. And he introduced me to Solana. And uh, I fell in love with the community, especially. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest themes that we've seen in people migrating to Solana or once they find Solana, that community aspect of it, I think is maybe a little different than than what people have experienced over on ETH. And I know you participate or you have a role in quite a few different projects doing um, quite a few different things as it ranges from business strategy, marketing, branding, illustration. Can you talk a little bit more about your roles on those projects and like what exactly you're doing for them? Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess I'll start with Alley Cats because that was kind of the starting project uh, about six months ago that got me involved in the space. Uh, so with that, I was doing business strategy for the owner of the project named Silky. So he brought me on to kind of guide him on how to make it more professional and how to structure it like a business, not just a side project. So there I did consulting and I also did all the illustration and pixel art for the project as well as animation. And I also did branding and UI and UX. A lot of people in this space, myself included, are very interested in kind of the consulting or the, the business development side of how these projects develop, but I don't have corporate experience like you. And I'm wondering if you had any advice to people looking to make an entryway into the development consulting side of these different collections. Like, What would you advise is a, a decent route to kind of work your way there? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I think the biggest thing is to stop and listen, understand the community um, and what the what the project's going for in that community. So not every community is the same. A lot of people think they can just take their business expertise or what they've learned in school about branding and apply it to the space. And unfortunately, the space is so, I don't know, how would you say it, Wild West, that typical strategies don't actually work within the space. So I would encourage people, if they're wanting to go down that route, to first get a full understanding of the community and then once they do, approaching projects is by way of word of mouth, mainly. So you need to show yourself in the space and make yourself valuable. So whether that's hosting AMAs, whether that's giving free advice to people within DAOs that you've joined and making your voice heard. And the more your voice is heard, the more people will start looking to you for advice. And then you can structure it in a way that, okay, I have this experience from school or this experience from IRL, and this is how I can apply that to your project to make it benefit and make it more attractive to the holders. Yeah, it kind of ties into this. Something I've been kind of wrestling with in my head is that like just working by yourself, it might be a little bit harder to, to kind of get that off of the ground, um, like having a little community of people that are kind of similarly oriented to you in kind of refining your own ideas or whatever, like having intellectual like sparring partners can, 
also take it that next leg up. So I guess I'm also just wondering like how to facilitate those connections with people that are similarly minded to you or even just approaching the devs or it's because like you said, it's so much in the relationships and exactly like the word of mouth, just as you mentioned. Yeah. And I think so networking becomes extremely important. And that's why I was so my ears perked up when I heard about your guys' project with Web3 Connects, because it's something that I see kind of lacking in the space. And you really have at this moment in time, you really have to work for it to get that networking and you have to be socially capable. So for me, it was a lot of late nights uh, on spaces, uh, trying to identify the people that I wanted to talk to and the spaces I wanted to be involved in. And then making sure that I had meaningful conversations with the people that I thought brought value. So as it stands right now, it is a lot of hard groundwork to build that network up, to build that trust within the community. But I think as projects like Web3 Connects, you know, fan out more and get more people involved, uh, it'll be easier to identify and create more intellectual groups. Um, It's really hard to sift through the DGen plays and get to constructive business talks sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's exactly to the kind of person you're networking to. And it's good that you have that like filter, it seems like as you talk to these different people to kind of get a sense for that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it's pretty easy to spot is it's usually the ones that don't have the bong rips going in the background uh, throughout the spaces. (laughs) Yes, um, it can be very overwhelming when first getting into this space to try to figure out like, who has good intent? Who has malintent? You know, what community should I be part of to meet the people I need to meet to learn and grow and, you know, create something really amazing in this space? So earlier, you had touched a little bit on what you do for Alley Cats. Are you doing similar work for the other projects you're supporting or, or what other types of roles and responsibilities do you typically have for them? Yeah, so um, Decimus Dynamics uh, is one where my role kind of spans out a bit more than just artists. So that's with Deep and Reno, uh, who I have a lot of respect for in the space. And the guys have, have had a bit of a rough go of it over the last week because they got hacked and their LP got drained. So for me, the role kind of expanded beyond artist and into uh, consultant to give them advice on PR how to best manage uh, critical situations, how to deal with, you know, dealing with uh, external law enforcement, how to deal with, you know, stakeholders and keep them satisfied during a time of turbulence. Really areas where my IRL experience has has been able to help them, as well as working with them on developing uh, strategy and project management across the future plans and how that can work and we can work together to really build something amazing. So yeah, and then Alley Cats, the other role, I did take on a, a AMA, so I, I was hosting as well AMAs for one of one artists, and I also uh, will be doing that with Decimus. And then for Project Paradise, the other project I'm working on, it's really a friendship project. Uh, the guys on there were really early supporters of me, um, and I work with them really closely when it comes to one of one art and uh, PFP art and helping them build the kind of an artist ecosystem uh, where people can share work with each other to be able to create income. Yeah, wow. It seems like you're a jack of many trades in the space and you've had exposure having your hands in a variety of different things far beyond just branding and art. Can you talk a little bit about like which roles you might have 
you know, experienced the most challenges in or have learned the most from throughout your time working in Web3 and maybe which roles you tend to enjoy more than others or which ones just kind of pose more challenges than some of the like traditional branding and marketing work that you do? Because I know you just mentioned like PR and sort of navigating difficult situations. I'm sure that's kind of a, a tough scenario to be in, especially when stakeholders can be very critical. <laughs> Oh man, in this space, it's it's next level. <laughs> yeah, people are made out of paper in Solana. So <laughs> what I mean by that is just people paper hand at, at the slightest concept of a rough patch. But that's something I've had to get used to and uh, find ways to recover from. Um, yeah, so it, it's a really good question. So for me, definitely the best part of it all is illustration. Um, I was a graffiti artist uh, for many years, including now. I still spray paint on the weekends. Even with my corporate job, I, I kept that up. And I, I love to illustrate. I'm an illustrator at heart. If I could just illustrate every single day, all day, that's what I would do. But I do have a big love for branding and, and business as well. So I ran a design agency uh, in my early 20s. So I, I would say my favorite parts are the branding and the art. And I love seeing it come together from a project management side to see, you know, how does it integrate with the UI? How does it integrate with the staking? How to really make a project kind of complete and look very professional. That's where kind of my passion lies. I can handle the business side and the PR side quite well because of my IRL experience, but I would definitely say it's a part that's just kind of a added bonus of having me there rather than something that I want to be the driving force of my brand. That's awesome. I was curious in particular, because I know you mentioned Solana is very papery and in turbulent times when people are over-invested with their money, especially in a smaller market cap kind of NFT ecosystem like Solana, as compared to ETH, for example, I would imagine that the PR side gets way more challenging, right? When if a big portion of someone's net worth dumps like 60% in a day or like a week, like that's, how do you deal with that, man? How, do, <laughs> like, I'm, that's what I'm curious about, like, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> How do you like approach that? You know, what are the challenges you've seen there? Right. So I, I, I think there's a few things that are really important. And one of them is to not look at floor as a project owner. I think project owners that obsess about floor end up getting trapped in panic and are unable to really see through the project and can sometimes freeze up and stop building because they take it to heart what's going on. And the truth of the matter is, is that stocks, uh, I've, if you view them as stocks, stocks go up and down depending on the market, depending on holder sentiment. And that can change over time. Some of the best brands in the world have had months or years where their value was, you know, a hundredth of what it is now. So I think a big part of it is to just keep building. That's my advice for any project is when you hit a rough patch, deliver. And that's what really the holders are there for is to, they're giving you the funding for you to be able to build out something and deliver a business to them that gives profit share of some sort or value of some sort to them. So just keep your head down and keep building. And when dealing with people, never get on the defense or the attack and try to be as empathetic as possible while not letting it get to your head or get to your emotions. So understand that it is smaller market cap. So therefore people investing, you know, seven soul is is a lot of money for a lot of people in the space and it's not like ETH where that might be you know uh, your mint cost rather than your higher side cost so be empathetic to the fact that people are on a smaller market cap and keep your head down and keep working and let people know that keep constant updates i think during turbulence the biggest, biggest thing is transparency. So if there's something that caused the turbulence, be transparent about it, give daily updates, show people that you're there and you're working towards it and you will pull through the other end. 
that was beautifully said. And what you touched on one thing that I see very, very few developers doing, which is the the project updates. In the Spoonicus Discord, he derugs cyber villains, and I picked up a couple just out of curiosity to see what he's building. And he has a team journal just listing out every single progression that they're doing. And I mean, that's not to say that these projects should be giving away their their secret sauce, but at the same time, like if it's just been quiet and no one really knows what's up, you have to communicate to your people. I'm glad you mentioned that. Communication is key and it's it, the projects that tend to tank are ones that get scared and stop giving daily updates and then holders get even more scared and then you end up with a 0.1 floor price. So it's important to communicate um, and hosting AMAs, especially. So the more turbulent the time, the more active you should be. So they, I think it's really that simple. Um, and that includes hosting AMAs, dealing with the FUD face on. And I think that's just, that's vital to making it through any turbulence and coming out the other end. And, and don't look at the floor price. People will tell you about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And something you said really resonated with me. You said, keep your head down and keep building. That actually reminds me of a, I think I saw it on Twitter. Or somebody had quoted like, keep building even when nobody's looking. Right. And that that is just such a crucial lesson to learn in this space because I think a lot of people get in and they expect to have success overnight and are just like so laser focused on the money aspect instead of the aspect of delivering value and letting, you know, the, the financial aspect of it, it will come, right? That's That shouldn't be your sort of main focus. Your main focus should be your community and providing value for them. Exactly. And that and that comes down to core branding as well, right? Your brand is more than just the JPEG. It's more than just just your idea it's the brand is people's trust in you delivering that idea or that product and and if you deliver a truly exceptional product even if it takes you a year or two years the outcome will be for the benefit of yourself and the community absolutely and kind of shifting gears a little bit i know i met you on Spoonicus's Twitter spaces uh, a week ago, where you mentioned that you and your team are working on a smart contract that will essentially allow people to securely pay someone through like a series of blockchain transactions that are governed by like key milestones, so to speak, for a particular project. Can you explain a little bit more what that concept is, how it works, and sort of why it's important and, and what you plan to do with that smart contract once you all have finished development? Yeah, of course. So uh, the the first part of it, I guess I should say, is I've been burned before, <laughs> both by devs and by project owners, where I didn't get payment. This happened to me on ETH originally, where I worked on a project, was released, all the communications were in Discord. Come mint day, I didn't see a single penny. <laughs> and uh, at the time, nobody knew or cared who I was. And it sucked. Uh, it really it really hit me hard and I was left bitter. And, and it's probably one of the reasons why I didn't touch NFTs or any kind of Web3 projects for quite a long time. And then more recently, I, I found ran into situations where devs either rug a project or rip off a project or they just don't deliver on time. They've said, you know, hey, I'm going to be done this staking platform for you in two weeks time. And the project goes, they announce two weeks, we're going to have it. You know, it's be ready. Everybody apes in. The floor price goes skyrocketing. And then comes two weeks and uh, waiting for the delivery from the dev. And the dev says, oh, I decided to take vacation last week. I'll have it done for you in about three weeks. And the floor price crashes. And it can even destroy projects completely and the morale of the owners as well. So because of those situations, knowing my IRL business and looking at, you know, quitting my corporate job to come into this space, I thought to myself that... 
as it stands right now, I wouldn't feel comfortable working in this space. There's too many risks and there was no way for me to kind of guarantee payment. And because of that, I started working with a ETH friend of mine who's a developer and we started building out a milestone-based uh, contracting system because we also really highly value anonymity and don't think that people should have to put their IRL address and signature and docs just for the ecosystem to work. So what it is essentially is, is just a milestone contract like you would have an IRL contract where you would lay out and say, okay, you know, task one, start on project, task two, deliver first set of concepts, step three, deliver 10 attributes, step four, so on and so forth with a value added to it. So with each one of those, there's a crypto value that's an escrow. And when you create a task, both wallets have to multi-sig on that task to agree that that's the agreed upon, you know, milestone. So that concretes it in, in Web3 contract. And then on the flip side, when you go to get paid, both people have to multi-sig to agree that that one task has been completed to release the funds to the service provider. So it's fairly straightforward. There's already uh, quite a bit of multi-sig technology out there. So all it's doing is applying it to an individual task and applying a value to that um, that's, that's done via multi-sig. So I guess kind of zooming out from what you're describing here, do you see that kind of use case being towards like NFT project owners, for example, where so so like to avoid them rugging, oh, 100%. create a couple different milestones for them to hit. And when two wallets, whatever two wallets are holding, like agree and they'll, they'll sign the payment that the milestone was completed, then they'll get that portion of the funds. Is That's the idea, right? Yes, but not from a project side. I am not a huge fan of escrowing capital on business owners. I think it can limit them dramatically to be able to pivot and move in such a fast-paced environment. So from a rug standpoint, I agree maybe a portion could be set up to hit a milestone further down the road. But I think the idea of breaking up an entire mint cost into micro amounts wouldn't work for a startup business in IRL and, and wouldn't work for a lot of projects on Solana either. Just due to the fact that you need those funds to be able to pivot and move to keep up with your holders, with market sentiment and with how the project development changes. I mean, staking one day mutations the next you need to be able to pivot your project quickly and have the funds to be able to do that do i think that those funds should be multi-sig with a community manager i definitely do for a project owner from a rug standpoint i think that's more important to have a, more of a dow vote style third signature on release of funds so if you're deciding to pivot then you can pivot with a majority voted in group. So you could say, you know, whales get to vote one person in to be the third signature to represent the community and the shareholders. That's more beneficial to me than an individual milestone for projects. So my side is more from a service provider side. So that's from a developer side, a creative designer side to ensure that those services are provided on time so that the project can move forward correctly. Less so from a business owner side, if that makes sense. Interesting. It does. So it has me wondering though, Say, I don't know, say I hire someone to, to do this service, right? They did the service, but I don't want to agree to release them the funds because I just want to rug them. Is there anything stopping me from doing that? Just get the service for free, but not be obligated to pay or am I misunderstanding? No. So it's, you don't get the funds back. <laughs> oh, it's an escrow. Okay. 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 Now. I, okay. That makes way more sense. Actually. Thanks for clarifying that. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's the escrow part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, you have to put capital to start the project. And then next question. So 
I'm curious in particular, especially about branding. It's a topic that we love to kind of talk about on these podcasts or just even in Web3 Connect as a whole. And one of our goals is to kind of make a space for people to to start building and capitalizing on the personal brands that they create for themselves, similar to what you can do with like a LinkedIn or a Fiverr or an Upwork and Web2, but targeted for people in the NFT space and just kind of the tech space as a whole. Can you talk a little bit about personal branding side of things and tips that you have for people trying to create a brand for themselves, whether that's starting a project, becoming an artist, content creator, just free value on Twitter, Medium articles, whatever it may be? Yeah. So my standpoint is network, network, network. So my advice for people building a brand is to understand your value proposition and hold to it, whether that is creating or or marketing or developing. And really, I would suggest people write it down and assign a value to it for themselves. And then once they have that, they can then go out and say, okay, I'm going to now network and this is how I'm going to portray myself. I am going to be a service provider for X and this is my style and this is my, you know, expected salary. And within that, you can put yourself into different categories. And based on that is who you're going to network with. So if you're looking to be at more of a Fiverr style freelancer for a lower price, you'll probably be focusing yourself on new startup businesses that aren't as established in the space, which is totally fine. It can cause, you know, good profits for you if you station yourself correctly, but you'll want to identify what area you want to focus on, or you could go the other route and focus on high-end projects and do less projects less often for a higher price. And all of that, I know it's a lot of money talk, but that will define what your brand is, whether you're high-end, middle or low, and there's benefits to all three. And I think the first step is to identify who you are, what you offer. Second step is to network within the realm of that. And third step is to start working. Yeah, there's so many different ways to go about it. You have to kind of figure out what your niche is and best position yourself in the market based off of that. And speaking of personal branding, I saw on Twitter that you do one of one art as well. So can you talk a little bit about how you found your personal style for your one of one pieces and how you have sort of went about branding yourself in that way? So, yeah, um, so I've only ever done two auctions. So I I don't know if I would fully put myself in the one-on-one category. Um, I am an artist, so I I decided to explore it. But I realized very quickly that I would rather give away my one-on-ones to someone who appreciates it than try to grind to try to get a two-soul bid. So I do do one-on-one art. It would definitely wouldn't be my primary part of my brand. I think what it does do is showcase my skills with illustration at a higher level. So I do like to do them. Lately, I've actually been giving away my one-on-ones to projects so that they can auction it off for their individual tokens. So I've done this with Alley Cats. I'll be doing this with Decimus and I've done it with Project Paradise as well. And that's more kind of what I focused on is bringing additional value to the projects that I work with. But one-on-one stuff, I think it's fun. I think it's a good space, but it's definitely, unfortunately, not where the money's at. Yet, yet, not within Solana. Yeah, the one of one market is a whole different ball game. Like, it's funny because I've heard people say that, like, the one of one NFT market is allowing artists to make the money they deserve. Because I think in, you know, in real life, that quote of like the starving artist, right? Like a lot of artists sort of struggle for financial stability in the real world. And NFTs is providing an entirely new avenue for them to make money. But on the flip side, like there are still a lot of cons specifically when it comes to the one of one market. So it's definitely a a competitive and, and tricky market to succeed in. 
Yeah, and I and I think the space is still very small, so there is room to grow. And if you're here now, you're early, and there is opportunity there. But again, it's the same as anything. You have to network and you have to grind. Keep your head down and work. <laughs> this is uh, this is the way. I think there's a lot of people that have larger than life expectations when they join the space, and I think one month in the space is a good even leveler for people <laughs> people's dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And this next one is kind of a loaded question. So feel free to interpret it, you know, in whatever way makes sense for you. But when you kind of first get hired to do marketing and branding for a project, can you kind of walk us through your process and like the process you use to define their marketing strategy, like key things that you might need to know, or you might need to consider when you're doing this and like any tips or tricks you use to help define the brand identity that's, you know, remains true to the project while still making sure you're catering towards consumer interests in the current market, like whatever those might be at the time. Yeah, a hundred percent. So very first step is to sit down with the team and understand what their vision is, not just for the immediate or not just for minting out, but what their grand vision is till the end. And then working with the team to break that down into smaller bite-sized bits. So that's step one. Once you have those smaller bite-sized bits and a bit of a timeline laid out, you can then working around it to say, okay, so this type of project leans towards, you know, say D&D or gamers. So once you can identify kind of the type of people that will be wanting to be part of the project, then you can start focusing in on which people you want to join early. So I think a big part of it is then getting them in connection with the right people because a lot of the initial marketing within Solana is the people you know and the advisors that you have on board. So that's what you then identify for them and with them uh, is what's the right demographic and what's the right advisor to bring on. And I, I do highly suggest that projects bring on an advisor that has experience in the type of project that they're trying to do, especially for new projects. It's worth the spend. And once you have that, you can start working with the advisor and them to identify which other projects fall into that category. And you can start networking and branching out there and even asking to do early AMAs with those projects to start creating a bit of a voice about the project. And then the last one is visual identity. So identifying what other projects have done visually and what's successful within that realm and that business and that holder kind of appetite and then developing your look and feel for the project. One thing that strikes me as particularly kind of difficult to continue to maintain is like the community side of things, right? Because anyone can buy into the project. I mean, unless you're pricing a lot of people out, anyone with some cash could technically buy in, but they might not share like the identity or the values that a given project is trying to like cultivate. And to that extent, I wonder like, is that really a problem that projects are running into? Are there ways that projects could communicate their vision a little bit better? Yeah, of course. And I, and I think they do need to communicate their vision better, uh, to, to, to be honest. And I think right now, a lot of stuff on Solana is based on hype. So the real, you know, a lot of the holders are between 16 and 25. And a lot of them are gamers. So you, you've got to kind of look at it in that kind of stance. So I do think it's not too hard to maintain community. I think if you're able to create hype and, and get people excited about raids and, and get people excited about game nights, I think you can maintain it fairly well for majority of the demographic. I think that will change when the demographic expands. 
So I know in ETH, it's a lot harder to maintain a community because there's a lot higher expectations and there's people, you know, from a business background and there's people from a trading background. So I think the demographic is a lot more varied. And I think as Solana grows, people will need to start doing a better job of defining their community before they even go to Mint to, you know, give a niche experience or, or give a good community experience and not to mistrude or, or set wrong expectations for what people are going to receive within the community. I think that's well said. One thing I, I guess I want to pick your brain about, like, have you encountered any techniques or like useful ways that projects have communicated their identity and where that kind of cultural understanding of the project has continued to be like, I guess, propagated by people that continue to buy into the project as well? Are there ways that it's been done successfully and what are ways to do it well, to communicate that vision well? It's definitely be done successfully. I mean, even if you look at Decimus, the community there has been outstanding. D-Gods, outstanding community. D-Gen 8, absolutely outstanding community. Thugbirds, even through all, all the bit of turmoil there, still an outstanding community. So I think the biggest thing is all those communities have one thing in common, and that's the people at the top of the projects and the project owners are part of the community. They're hanging out with the community on a regular basis. They're giving their personal touch to it. And I think that's huge for creating that excitement. You know, hang out in your own space, be there in chat, talk to the people, encourage them to go out and do stuff, give them rewards for creating hype. I think there's lots of ways. I mean, Kets on uh, on Crack, for example, they came up so, so fast. And that was all just because the mods and the project managers were there with the people pushing them, egging them on, you know, we can get to 100 retweets, we can do this. We'll have giveaways for people that do the best posts. These types of things go such a long way for building the community because camaraderie gets built up. You end up with, you know, teams of people that are, are working together to try increase the floor price and they end up becoming lifelong friends over it. So I think that's the main thing. Be involved with your community and have people that push each other to push the project forward. Gotcha. Okay. So let me just try to summarize to see if I if I have the right understanding of it. You're kind of saying that one, have a big vision for what your project is, what you want your holders to be. And two, to have leadership like from the top down demonstrate those values to the holders, demonstrate the excitement, the whatever it is they're trying to communicate, like make sure it's so obvious that from the top down they also care about what the basically what the culture looks like. Is that right? Right. Be part of the culture. Be there with them. Don't just, just set the expectation, say, this is my business. I want you to come follow my business. No, be, you have to be there with the people, part of the excitement, you know, working with them towards the goal. And it's perfect because someone like Pablo, my God, he has so much leverage. Uh, I mean, just people in the Kets Discord look, I mean, I don't want to say look up to him, but he's like the leader. He's like a Frank, right? In a, in a sense. And to the extent that he is also propagating those, what, whatever values they might be. I know there's this one Gandhi meme that they had or keep the floor price out of your mouth meme or whatever. Like when, <laughs> when you see things like that coming from top down, that's awesome. I guess it just becomes a little bit obscure when the cultures are kind of communicated via memes. And and that's not to say it's a bad thing. Very obviously it's been effective, but I guess I'm curious, like are memes the only way to do that? Could you have like a description of your values on a Twitter page, like bio or a tweet or like a discord channel with like talking about those things? Is that unreasonable? You know what I mean? 
<laughs> right. It's not traditional. That's for sure, man. I don't think it's unreasonable, but I mean, we're talking Solana, right? <laughs> right? The space is 90% degen, right? So projects that come in and try to be a prim proper business suit and tie, you know, here are our values, here are our goals, here are our proposition. This is what we're going to deliver to the market. They either have to deliver the most immaculate tool system ever for them to be able to pull it off. Because if they don't, and it's not based on pure utility, no community will rally around a square, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, perfect sense. It actually makes way more sense now why the cuts popped off as much as they did. Because you got to consider that, yeah, you can't be a suit and tie project and expect to pop off in this space. It's just, it's too bread and butter, but you really have to know the market that you're selling to the market that you're engaging. And if that market is like 16 to 25, the cats are going to do well, you know? Right. But with that said, in Solana, especially, there's actually a higher expectation of utility than there is in ETH or any other network. Interesting. <laughs> so people, they want the DGEN play, but they also want some kind of service provided back to them. It's more than just the art. It's more than just the meme. So it's kind of funny to me. It, it is very degen, but people, there is also a very high expectation of professionality in the sense of, are you developing? What are you building? So as a business owner, you need to cross this kind of tie to be like, okay, I need to have my stuff together enough to you know, develop a platform, to develop staking some, whether it's Ponzi-nomics or to tokenomics, sorry. Uh, um, or whether it's, you know, a doxing service or whether it's a creative service, you need to be building as a business person while maintaining uh, an air of mean. Yeah, I've heard many people say that the Solana NFT space in particular is kind of Im immature in the sense that it's it's very young there's a huge young demographic and population of people creating projects and projects popping up every other day and i think a lot of people come into this space not really looking at it that way in terms of like a, this project is a business it is frankly it is a startup and we've talked about that a lot on this podcast of like an nft project in in our eyes is a tech startup and there's a lot of things that you need to consider when starting a business it's not like you can just kind of wake up one day and, and slap something together and, <laughs> yeah, and well honestly some people do right and sometimes it's successful <laughs> and sometimes it takes off so you never know <laughs> right you never know it, it has worked but if you're trying to be here long term and you're trying to actually impact the ecosystem in a positive way and, and you know still be around in three years then it's something that you kind of have to put some more thought into yeah 100 percent. and i think even with the younger space though what i will say is the the younger gen you know population has blown me away with how smart they are so they are smart investors a lot of the time they are looking for that utility and understanding that without a business proposition that it most likely will not benefit their bags long term yeah absolutely and kind of touching back on the branding and marketing that projects need to do to get hype and maintain hype how do you sort of temper expectations around that because some, sometimes projects with the best marketing team the most strategic marketing out there still struggle to maintain that hype or maintain that strong community just because of the temperament of the space and the fact that things are changing so quickly every day like how do you 
communicate the potential risk and the potential downside to clients as it pertains to that? And how do you alleviate some of the risks around the fact that there is no guarantee that hype will be there tomorrow if it's here today? Right. So, I mean, I think it's very straightforward, my opinion, and what I would say is very straightforward. And that is that hype won't be around forever and it will come and it will go depending on what you're building, but to not be disheartened and to push on and push through that we're still early. But also a polished marketing plan doesn't mean anything at the end of the day if you're not part of your own community, if you're not hearing what they're saying. So you really have to be speaking the same language as your holder. And and if you're not, it doesn't matter how good your logo looks, doesn't matter how good your PFP looks, it just won't survive. So it's really important that people are listening and hearing and can speak the same language as the people they're attracting to their project. And that helps maintain hype. And the other is that, you know, you can keep it clean cut, but consistency is the biggest thing. Uh, If you're flip-flopping all over the place when it comes to your marketing strategy, if you're flip-flopping when it comes to your creative, people will see that and they will smell the fear um, of you because that's usually a sign of desperation of you saying, okay, I tried this for one week, I didn't get the hype, so I'm going to try this for one week. And hopefully one of these will sink rather than really building a, a solid platform from the beginning through community. So projects that are started through community do a lot better than projects that are thought of in a meeting room and then brought to the market without community. They'll have a lot more effort to put in to catch up to the ones that are built out from the people within the ecosystem already. Hmm. It's interesting that you say that because I feel like that speaks towards not only obviously like having a plan and having a vision and a strategy of getting there, but also maintaining or remaining, I guess I should say, authentic and committed to that plan from the beginning, you know, all the way through the end, because like you just said, people will notice that sort of uh, wishy-washiness, that sort of back and forth if you're not sticking to your guns and and they'll see that you don't have conviction in, in your project and your vision. And it's so important to outwardly display that conviction and confidence in your future and your vision, because otherwise nobody else will be confident in it. Well, yeah. And and, I mean, I almost feel bad for people sometimes. We used to host this space uh, on Twitter spaces and uh, we we would just change the title to, you know, be like, chill your project. And we would give people, you know, a two minute pitch (laughs) and we would just straight up tell them if if we thought it sounded ruggy or if they needed to come back to the space in a few months. And we would just deliver harsh reality to projects. And we'd have so many people come through where you know, I've never seen their project and they couldn't describe what their plan was or who their target group was or target demographic and what was their vision. And, and they would stammer through it and they wouldn't have consistency. You know, some of them would start at saying, you know, we're going to do soda drinks with NFTs and end with how that's going to be a cartoon that has six seasons on YouTube. <laughs> so it's vital to really own what you're wanting to deliver and have it be digestible by the community. Yeah, I love that because sometimes you need to hear the harsh truth. Maybe you're really passionate about something, but the truth, I think not everybody in this space is willing to say the truth, especially if it's it's harsh because there could be a lot of pushback, a lot of negativity and toxicity around 
critiquing projects that are, you know, really passionate about what they're doing and and whatever it might be, because, you know, they're putting their livelihood into this. But really, like that constructive criticism is so important to help the space as a whole grow and move forward. I'm curious, when you first started working in the space and you first started like doing branding, marketing, illustration and Web3, did you start out sort of working for free on sort of a volunteer basis to build your brand and build your name in this? And at like, what point did you start asking for or accepting payment? Like, how do you go about having those conversations at the first time? Yeah, for me, it wasn't too difficult just because of my background. So what I did is I got to a point where I, I got the attention of the right people. So I was doing banners and free branding stuff. So for instance, for Thugbirds, so if you go to their Twitter page, I did stuff for Borioku's where the top Borioku holders were posting my banners as their main banners. So I, I was very strategic about who and where I targeted for projects to maintain kind of a standard. So it was Thugbirds, it was Degen Apes, it was Borioku that I was doing kind of customized art and giving it to them as an airdrop for the first people, you know, that commented or the first people that, you know, said something about it. And that got to the point where, you know, I had Thugbirds approach me saying, you know, we would love you to do a banner for us. And the first thing was, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And we'll do that for free. <laughs> like, like here you are and still their main banner till today. And we did it for Sabayu Snakes and, and for a bunch of other projects that we really love and just gave them free banners to give to their holders um, that, that were done to a really high standard. And that, that gets your name going in different circles, right? So then you're able to approach when someone comes to you and says, okay, well, I want a set of banners for my DAO or I, I want some branding done for my DAO. You're able to set a price based on the standard of projects that you've associated with. That's too smart. And it's to me, it's the it's the simple fact that you were very strategic about who you reached out to, who you were providing the value for, because then it's all their friends that they're recommending you to as well. Is that correct? For sure. And I say no. I say no to ninety percent of requests even today. So I say no a lot more than I say yes. Um, and that's what's able to maintain kind of my value. Time is finite, right? And I only want to invest it where I see future potential. So yeah, I, I was definitely willing to work for free in order to make sure that my work was associated with the right brands. Yeah, no, I love that approach. What do you think is really underrated in this space from a human perspective, from like a trait perspective, things that you see in the Solana ecosystem that people either don't put enough value on or don't have enough of? It could be like patience, like watching founders as opposed to floor price, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I think patience, empathy, and uh, and understanding. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of project owners get the rough end of the stick. I think a lot of holders get the rough end of the stick for you know saying something out loud and and people gang up on them. There needs to be more patience. And then the last one for me is professionality. There needs to be a higher standard of professionalism uh, within the Solana space moving forward. The rugs and the other stuff that has happened has just left a sour taste in people's mouth. And as much as it's decentralized, there needs to start being structure. That's just in my opinion, but it can be decentralized structure. And that leans towards what I'm doing with the, with the contract. Absolutely. I think this question, I kind of can guess your answer here because I know you you just recently went full time in Web3, but I'll, I'll kind of throw it out there anyway to, to hear your perspective. Do you sort of see yourself 
staying in the NFT space for a while? And if so, what is the driving force behind that? Like what has kept you here? What has drove you to pursue a full-time career in the space? Yeah. So for me, I found an opportunity where I could mix my hobby in the past um, and my passion of illustration and, and creativity with my understanding of business mergers and acquisitions um, and business strategy. So th those things will keep me going in this space as long as I can provide that value to projects. So I would imagine I would be in here, my minimum is a two to three year plan within the space. And I'm curious to see where it grows and I'm not just stuck to Solana either. So I do plan on once my business is more structured and I, and I have a few more people hired on uh, or regularly contracted to work with me on projects, I'll probably start expanding into other chains as well. Yeah, I mean, the future is definitely cross chain. I think a lot of people are laser focused on including myself are laser focused on on one chain versus sort of being open to exploring the opportunities on others. But I 100% believe that's the future. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. And that was everything we had for you, Sawyer. So thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a super awesome conversation. I know we talked a lot about the business side of NFTs, branding, marketing techniques, and just like how we can all do better as an ecosystem to really help, you know, further define the future that we're wanting to see here. Um, so we really appreciate your time in joining us. And I just wanted to open the floor and see if you had any closing thoughts, any like shout outs for your socials or anything you wanted to share with listeners before we close out. Yeah, I'll do a shout out for my socials. So uh, at Sawyer NFT on Twitter and uh, Mr. Underscore Sawyer on Instagram for more of my graffiti and uh, DGen stuff. Um, and yeah, if you're looking uh, for someone to work with you on a project, definitely hit me up. We've got a great team that I'm working with. Then we're open for inquiries. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sawyer. It was great chatting with you and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. All right, guys, that is all we had for you today. Sawyer already dropped his socials there at the end, so definitely make sure to give him a follow. If you want to keep up with us, we are Web3ConnectX on Twitter. If there's anyone specific you want to hear from next, shoot us a DM on Twitter and we will try our best to get them on the pod for you. But with all of that said, we'll see you guys next week.